uh, independent music is uh, simply music that is created from independent record labels, something in opposition or as a corollary or as a uh, breeding ground for, uh, or an incubator, if you would, for the uh, more mainstream popular music industries. The game I play is a very interesting one. It's imagination in a tight straitjacket. Because by looking at the stars, we are literally looking back through time. And as the world gets smaller and more connected, the narrative of freedom is rubbing off on people of different cultures and religions, however remote. You can't get anywhere if you just copy what somebody told you. You have to be challenging things all the time, challenging everything, you know, uh, and thinking new thoughts and so on. Well, welcome to another episode of Blab Quotes. It's Ingwa and myself again. And uh, we've got Shams Kadir from the Department of Gender and Cultural Studies at University of Sydney. And today we'll be talking about um, his research. Uh, welcome, Shams. Oh. How are you doing? Oh, good, good. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, hello to everyone listening to this. Awesome. All right, Shams, let's begin with um, your, your research journey. So what has inspired you to conduct research in um, cultural studies and specifically the area of music? All right, so um, from a very young age, I was fascinated by the um, niche-oriented, like independent alternative music scenes from around the world with what access I had uh, living in Bangladesh, where I'm from, in Dhaka City around the 1990s through um, television, cable television, internet was not really big at that time, but it started to get bigger um, from the 90s in Bangladesh. And then um, from there, um, I, I was interested about their music, like different bands, like from REM to Nirvana. Uh, I was interested about their cool factor as well, related with cultural capital and um, their career trajectories, how they treaded the fine line between, uh, you know, being authentic or being alternative to, like, you know, being mainstream or uh, being more, you know, part of the popular. Um, music industries, so what we call, like, you know, in music, uh, popular music terms, like authenticity versus selling out, you know. So um, these things really interested me, and I was also um, a musician, an active musician from 2001 till 2011 in Dhaka, Bangladesh. I had several bands. Um, one of them was called Bohemian, which, you know, which was probably like my most successful <laughs> band uh, for some time. Um, Marina knows a, f a few of the members, and uh, uh, so anyways, uh, we were really close, and we did some good gigs uh, around that time, and with this band, what happened is um, we actually started out being, I think, um, alternative or more underground. At some point, we sort of crossed over to the mainstream, so my research topic um, lends a little bit to my lived experiences as well. Um, finally, um, music uh, was always my passion. It was a great pastime for me, but... Um, my actual profession was um, being a university lecturer, so I always knew that I had to pursue higher studies. And um, I, I did an MA uh, from King's College London, and then I came over to Sydney to, for an MPhil and then a PhD. So when uh, it was time for me to choose my um, research topic for my PhD, I just thought that, you know, 
I wanted to, I want, because I have to work, and everyone, um, any new PhD students listening to this should understand as well, when you have to work with something for about four years, yeah. it better be a topic that you, really interests yeah. you, because, you know, that's otherwise it's, it's very, it's very tough. So, um, uh, you know, that's my journey. I, I took up, I just thought this is a great chance for me to explore uh, independent music and independent music in Australia, in Sydney, where I'm from, and um, why specifically, my, uh, my thesis is framed around um, inner west and inner city Sydney, specifically because um, I would just say um, two reasons. One reason is um, even though there is uh, live music um, plus nighttime economy of um, you know, central Sydney, which I frame as central Sydney, but it all, like, there's uh, different scenes all around Sydney, but specifically um, inner west, inner city Sydney, there is a live music scene, which is part of the nighttime economy here as well. But at the same time, it's not it, it gets focused, it gets media focused every now and then, but there isn't a lot of academic focus on this. The other reason is the University of Sydney um, is kind of famous for, um, or it's always been traditionally um, a great, uh, you know, it patronizes this kind of um, cultural development around the campus, around this area of, of inner city, inner west. That's why I thought that uh, studying independent music of central Sydney might be a great research topic. And here I am um, in my fourth year of PhD candidature, and sort of, you know, still interested, so. <laughs> that's that's very cool. I think yeah. that's... If you're interested in the both, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Don't, don't allow PhD students to talk. We'll, we'll go on and on. <laughs> that's what it seemed like. Wow, okay. Yeah, sorry, I'm done. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. Uh, we just want to ask you to elaborate a little bit more on what is independent music, please. Um, so... This was actually one of my one of the my most um, something I really struggled with in the beginning because uh, there were different there are several narratives from you know history of popular music industries in the U.S. and the U.K. and different parts of the world um, which contribute to different meanings of independent and I was quite lost because um, I felt sometimes I just didn't know what I was really looking at. That's when I realized that it's actually. Uh, a contested meaning, and uh, this, this okay. term is a contested term, and it's not, uh, it doesn't have stable meanings, it changes, um, it really depends on several factors and um, a geographic, uh, geographic specific location and of a different, um, at a different uh, historical and cultural moment, uh, these things mean different things. But um, canonical texts um, dictate that uh, independent music is uh, simply music that is created from independent record labels something in opposition or as a corollary or as a uh, breeding ground for, uh, or an incubator, if you would, for the uh, more mainstream popular music industry. So in a nutshell, that is what is independent music. But of course, uh, in different um, places around the world and through different conditions, it can mean slightly different things. So you say it's pretty um, contextual. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm interested now as to how this was different, how the independent music or underground music, first mm -hmm. of all, is there a difference between those two terms? And how is it different in the context of Dhaka, Bangladesh, mm -hmm. to Sydney, um, to, the, to the inner Sydney um, scene that you're researching? Right, okay, so two questions. The first one, um, underground and independent, um, if you ask me, is there any difference between the terms, I would say that, um, really depends on how you're approaching it. Uh, in, in some ways, um, through the different um, uh, types of research that takes place uh, about these kinds of music, is that 
there might be uh, no different just like in bangladesh for example it's just it just got this name underground maybe mm. the kids at that time thought it was cool and that was it, it didn't really and um, mm. i i actually know about the pakistani mm. underground scene and it's different in karachi there's a scene yeah. different uh, in different cities as well um again in the uk or even in israel something which is called underground might not be the same as what we mean in dhaka or what it's uh, means in in pakistan but um that's the one thing so it depends on how you approach it um but it is meant to be again the general uh, definition i just provided for independent music it's kind of close it's kind of in opposition kind of um, having a source of um, marginalization or resistant to the popular music industries uh, something like that but different variations of that and about um major differences between um an underground scene of dhaka and uh, maybe the independent music scene of uh, central sydney both of which areas i have worked with uh, with my research um so i think the best way to say is that these kinds of alternative music scenes are um based on uh political historical um a kind of geographic specific location a uh, specific time like a temporal uh moment of when this was taking place as, as well as economic um and uh socioeconomic all, all these kinds of factors um really um shape what this scene will mean or what this alternative music uh, means in uh, different areas um specifically um in dhaka bangladesh for example it is uh, a scene uh of uh, upper class um mm, kids okay. um yeah, of course no. it has disseminated over the years over it has ex- existed for more almost 15 years now maybe almost two decades now so it has disseminated to the more our middle class um people uh, kids as well and i keep saying kids because it is a big <laughs> youth thing even yeah. though youth, okay. youth is also a contested term because yeah. there might be people in their <laughs> mid 30s who yeah. might still be termed as youth in cultural studies yeah. so yeah. no it's, it's like, i think yeah no i agree yeah um yeah. so just saying that so I, it is an upper class pastime just because of um it's this kind of music and now coming to the more um um uh, labor kind of uh, perspective yeah. that d- this kind of music doesn't really generate much revenue or at, at or any revenue at all it's okay. more of a passion more of a pastime for many people and it's similar in sydney but just because of the different socioeconomic conditions of sydney and mm. in dhaka in in sydney i i found from my uh, research that uh, it's more um a middle class crowd people who have um jobs different sorts of jobs and it can be and again as i was doing my research i found that um the definition of a full time job has changed because now there are lots of contractual jobs there might be a series of uh, contractual jobs a person might be undertaking instead of a 9 to 5 full time office job so there are different kinds of jobs that's one thing but um definitely from my findings it shows that these independent musicians of central sydney they have a job with which they support themselves and uh, their music is more of a passion the more of a pastime sometimes they do get money from it or sometimes they get recognition i don't want to say commercial success i like to say recognition but um uh, and sometimes they can get quite popular um in and around australia sometimes they go for tours in different parts of the world like japan or the us but still i i from my findings i haven't really seen that there are too many music independent musicians who are completely um they're completely funded by their own music they're usually doing some kind of job mm. um if not in the music industry then in the broader creative industries mm. wow okay that sounds like a lot of interesting things going on there can you like uh, talk a little bit more about how you conducted your research your methodology please of course um yeah. so i had to do the um 
I go through the whole um, ethics system because I'm, I interviewed people. Yeah. Uh, so I basically conducted semi-formal interviews with 15 um, research participants who are involved with this independent music scene in different uh, ways. And um, I basically recorded their interviews, transcribed them, uh, maintained anonymity to um, using pseudonyms. So um, all that together, that serves as my primary data. But mm -hmm. I also did um, supplemented it with uh, textual analysis and um, field notes from my from participant observations. So like I went to um, 25 more than 25 gigs uh, in between 2017 and 2018. I conducted these interviews in 2017, and um, I chose this um, qualitative methodology because um, usually in cultural studies, when um, we, it's called a phenomenological study, I'm not yeah, pronouncing that true. right, uh, but um, it's studying a phenomena. And, yeah. it, and when studying a phenomena, it's uh, usually in cultural studies, um, interviews are a really useful method. Okay. So mm -hmm. from there, um, that's what I use. The other thing is I should mention is that. Um, because I'm studying a scene which is evolving, which is yeah. dynamic, which is moving every day, mm -hmm. I actually found that there are some institutions, like uh, different independent radio stations, then some Facebook pages, some websites, some yeah. bloggers, and so there are blogs and some YouTube channels, um, okay. which are really relevant, which kind of mobilizes this independent music scene. So what I did is I um, followed them, subscribed to them on online social media to see their activities, to see their everyday um, updates on all that and that actually became a very important part of um, my study just because um, just with that I could feel that okay my as I was doing my work and even though um, when you're studying a popular music a popular culture object it's always changing but at least I felt like my work was authentic because it was in touch with what was going on during this time when I was working on my thesis so in between 2017 to let's say early 2019 so okay. I really followed up with them and checked mm -hmm. out um, their updates and that uh, served as a really important um, part of my research yeah great can you tell us some um, any any interesting things that you found in your findings, anything that was really exciting or any space that you found was like, what are some of these spaces that you were conducting your field work in, for sure, example? Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, there are a number of venues um, in, in these areas of inner west and uh, inner city, um, which really contribute to um, the existence of the scene. Mm -hmm. And um, the interesting things that I found is like how they uh, respond to different government regulations. Um, but for example, um, one of the findings, let's say, um, lockout laws was not a big deal for this music scene particularly. First of all, it's an independent music scene, so these are people who are not professional musicians. And in my thesis, I actually make this distinction, who are the Sydney professional musicians and who are the independent musicians. There are lots of overlaps. It's very difficult to just say two categories, mm. but at least I, I, I framed it as a spectrum. Hmm. You can be on the spectrum where you're on the very professional side. That means you earn, you earn money through music. And the okay. other side of the spectrum where you play, you play for fun, you play for even like, you know, we play regularly, but at the same time, whatever money you get, you give it back to your own music and you, besides that you have a job somewhere mm. maybe okay. as a tv producer or as, as a creative graphics designer something like that mm. and usually these independent musicians do work in the creative industries in, in sydney so that's another thing anyway so coming back to the point um so some of these venues are really important then there's um uh, venues like for example uh, the townie uh, the new town um, town hall hotel yeah. okay. then um different ones in marrickville like the um 
uh, Lazy Bones Lazy Lounge Bones. and then Mosh Pit. Um, these are really active. Um, and then um, there's another uh, because with independent music and you know with uh, which is which encompasses like different punk scenes in Sydney uh, and a lot of other music scenes like it's called do it yourself DIY music scenes around Sydney. They also organize gigs in um, warehouses. Yeah. So mm. this is uh, again this has a huge history in Sydney. Like there were a lot of at, in the 70s and 80s, even in the 90s, there were a lot of um, these warehouse uh, shows. Um, gigs, um, sometimes discos, uh, which, are, which is very common in Sydney. Um, it has kind of died down for many different um, socioeconomic, sociopolitical reasons at the moment, but at the same time, um, a lot of these things still happen in Marrickville. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting that, you know, in the, in, in the 70s and 80s, um, areas like Surrey Hills was very, like a very hot spot for this kind of uh, events, but now somehow it has shifted to Marrickville for different reasons. Um, local laws and all these things do contribute to this. And um, the other finding, which is really uh, in, 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 interesting and important for my work, is um, I found that um, some I found that the Central Sydney independent musicians they um, use a lot of um, digital technologies and social media to uh, kind of um, do their works so a lot. They engage with a lot of DIY activities, yeah. um, which is kind of like they self-manage their music, they self-manage their careers. They're in direct contact with fans with um, organizers of gigs and organizers of tours and they even um, they record their own music through their laptops and they um, sometimes make vinyls just like um, just working with, without any middleman, without any record mm. labels, just getting in contact with vinyl producers, sending their music, getting vinyls made and then selling it uh, on um, like e-commerce e markets, on online markets um, from Bandcamp uh, to like um, Apple and Apple Music and Spotify and all these kind of things. Um, so uh, this whole phenomena I term as digital DIY mm. uh, because cool. um, yeah. basically this scene in this scene DIY is a big part because I found from my research as well that the Central City Independent Music scene sort of emerged from the Australian punk scenes from the 1970s. Uh, very easy to um, kind of uh, characterize from bands like uh, Radio Birdman and the Saints, just like they're <laughs> they're like um, termed as the pioneers of this kind of music. But okay. it has changed a lot through the years. But still, um, through uh, the punk scenes of um, Australia the, from the 1970s, this it, this uh, independent music scene sort of originated from there. That's why a lot of DIY practices was embedded into this music scene. But now, when they're using um, innovative uh, digital uh, music and communication technologies um, uh, it's a very common thing here in the scene right now. I termed it as uh, digital DIY, which is also another interesting finding from my work. Oh, that's, there's a lot of things in there. So um, rich, I think. Yeah. In, um, yeah, there's so much um, depth in that um, stuff. But we, I mean, we did talk a little bit about the spatial aspect mm -hmm, of your mm -hmm. of your study. Um, what we were both interested very much in is the gender aspect. Right, right, of your, right. I actually um, wanted to get into that. Yeah. But um, so, first of all, let me start from this. From my findings, I found that the scene is uh, sort of split. 60-40 with uh, sort of like um, the males dominating the space um, but again not 50-50, 60-40 and within the scene I actually asked um, female members that you know do you feel any kind of discrimination uh, or any different uh, than the male members of the scene and uh, I found that they're uh, they actually think that it's a very um, 
um, like you know, e there's a lot of uh, equality and there is um, a lot of inclusiveness mm. in this space. Mm. Uh, they That's never found any kind of discrimination. But at the same time, from my textual analysis, I found that um, in the popular music scene, uh, in the popular music industries of Australia, it is quite male-dominated. Mm. There is um, different institutions like Music NXW and APRA AMCO. So I'm going to give you the breakdown of that in a second. It's just these institutions. Um, they're working really hard to uh, address this gender imbalance in the Australian mm. popular music industries. Okay. So um, so much so that uh, even the uh, when the federal government, the Scott Morrison government, revealed their recent um, federal budget for if they are elected again um, for for you know in the next election, the 2019 election, um, they actually have uh, about uh, 30 million dollars uh, funding f to develop. Um, the popular music industries and the nighttime economy of uh, whole, of, whole of Australia, but uh, they're focusing on uh, their, a part of that fund will also go to promote women musicians in mm -hmm. Australia. So you can see that definitely, since these initiatives are there, um, definitely there is a gender imbalance here, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's why. Um, but um, so the two institutions I mentioned was Music NSW, which is. Um, state body uh, in NSW, it's a not-for-profit organization, and it's funded by Create NSW, and uh, APRA AMCOS, it, it represents, uh, APRA means the Australian Performing Rights Association, and AMCOS stands for the Australian, uh, Australian, uh, Australian Mechanical uh, Copyright Owner Society. So basically these are the people that look after the artists and their royalties and their copyrights. So these organizations are working hard to address the gender imbalance. So coming back to the point, even though the independent music scene of Central Sydney, which is a small part, a part of the uh, broader popular music industries of uh, Australia, um, th maybe within this niche-oriented space, uh, it's quite um, gender equal. Um, uh, there, the, the musicians feel that there isn't any discrimination, but definitely within the broader music industries, mm. there is discrimination that the industry and other organizations are working hard to address. Um, in terms of um, sexuality, I should say that this is uh, this scene is definitely not a heteronormative scene. Mm. There is uh, a lot of LGBTIQ plus um, involvement here as uh, as participants. Uh, I mean, as audience members, as organizers of gigs and parties, as performers. And there are specific um, feminist um, uh, events sometimes, like um, the Chicks with Pics um, gig series uh, mm. held at the Townie. I think almost every month. And then there are a lot of like different places like the Red, Lat Red Rattler Theater in Marrickville, mm. which uh, promotes a lot of uh, gay, lesbian uh, performances. And um, so definitely I should make this clear that even though if it, it might sound like this is a heteronormative scene, it's not. Uh, okay. It's a it's quite a very inclusive scene where, again, it's um, hardly, from my participants, I hardly ever heard of any kind of uh, violence or any kind of abuse that took place. Um, in terms of gender or sexuality, I think it's a very safe space um, and inclusive for everyone. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that's very rage. And talking about, uh, I know you already include quite a lot of things in there: class, uh, gender, culture. But I was a little bit curious whether, like, uh, race or ethnicity is involved mm. in there as well. Very, very valid point. So mm. while I was doing the study. Um, the, another interesting thing was that um, there was, um, okay, when I asked my participants about uh, this kind of cultural diversity or uh, ethnicity in this scene, they said that um, it's definitely not a very, you know, white middle class kind of scene. I th they mentioned that um, there 
they're very like um, there's a lot of culture cultural diversity within the scene but um, from the few gigs and I, sh I say few just because you know it's definitely I cannot say that I went to all the gigs in between the um, two years that I did my research but the gigs I went to I did find that there was um, a kind of um, most of the gigs uh, had a more white audience mm -hmm. than um, uh, you yes. know different other different ethnicities, which was strange because Sydney is a very multicultural uh, place. So um, only thing I so the scope of my thesis doesn't didn't allow me to work on that further. Um, maybe something that's something I'll look up in the future. But at least I found um, one thing through anecdotal conversations and through other um, um, textual analysis that. Um, Def definitely white Australians are more settled to spend more time in these kinds of um, scenes which are like um, non-commercial based. Um, they're definitely um, seen as a pastime, uh, something they can be um, doing um, to pass the time and for their own interests, whereas um, a more um, immigrant uh, part of Sydney, uh, the, uh, they are still kind of settling down they're they're still trying to let's say um get the proper job or buy a house or just mm. um move mm. on from there and they're bringing in their own um cultural um background as well so they're having they're kind of maybe adding different complexities to this independent mm. music scene but at okay. this moment at this time um even though the members say that it's a quite culturally um diverse uh, scene i did find uh, through my own um uh, parts of an observation that some gigs were were more um, white dominated than other ethnicities. Mm, that's wow. great. I mean, I think yeah. I feel like it, it it sort of resonates with that point you made earlier about how independent is maybe contested. Because mm -hmm. I'm thinking now, as you mentioned about ethnicity, Ghazal nights, for mm -hmm. example, in in you know the um, I don't know immigrant scene, mm -hmm. like which happens, I think in Sydney a lot mm -hmm. um, and in, I think other cultural musical events that happen a lot would that still be considered independent or would that is that similar to what this is or is that different to what this is because that's happening in a different space mm -hmm. it's happening it's happening in a different context altogether and it's it's got a completely different audience to it right yeah that's I would true. have to uh, without giving you a proper answer I would have to study yeah, this phenomena a bit more but at the same time um, I should mention that because my research talks about the inner city, inner west uh, Sydney, which I term as Central Sydney, um, doesn't mean that there's only one music scene yeah. in, in Australia or in Sydney. I think, um, and I, my, in my thesis I acknowledge, but at the same time I cannot, my scope doesn't really allow me to look at all these other different scenes, mm. but definitely okay. there's there are different scenes in, let's say, Parramatta, in Campbelltown, yeah. in mm. Western Sydney as a whole. It is a whole different thing. And then there are a lot of um, indigenous music scenes yeah. in, 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 in um, regional NSW as well as in areas of pockets of the city like Redfern and all that. Yeah. So there's definitely other music scenes there. It's just that I have kind of, um, and you have to do that when you're doing a PhD, kind of just yeah. narrow your focus so that you can just specialize on that for that time. But definitely there are other music scenes and I think um, Guzzle Nights, even Bollywood, Bollywood disco, you know, yeah. it's, it's a big thing. And um, so definitely it's there now, whether they would be considered independent, just, um, I would just have to look, yeah. look it up more. No, no, more. that's I more like, I mean, it's just a thought, right? No, absolutely, as you, but yeah. it does exist. I it, yeah. cannot say that it, I cannot, I have to acknowledge that yeah. there are different music scenes, um, okay. you know, just, you know, existing together yeah. in Sydney. No, well, that's great.
Yeah. So can we like talk a little bit more about the broader implications uh, or impacts Absolutely. of your research? And that's please? something uh, I'm still working on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll have to convince my future employers that this <laughs> is important. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so definitely the study will contribute to the growing academic fields of popular music studies or independent alternative music scenes. That's like, you know, obvious. But um, more like uh, we'll provide a phenomenological uh, study of the meaning of independence within a contemporary local independent music scene shaped by several factors which I mentioned, uh, including the geographically and temporarily, uh, temporarily specific historical, political, cultural, social and economic milieu. And um, it will provide, um, it, provi it will shed more light into um, related aspects like contemporary creative labor, mm -hmm. which I didn't really mention properly, but I did talk about labor a little bit. So um, yeah. then uh, kind of um, in impact of innovative music and communication technologies on music production and consumption practices. It's both. It's, it's, it's like two sides of the coin, like music production, music consumption, and uh, impact of government regulation. So from there, like specifically, um, I want to say that um, I, in one of my chapters, I actually tried to answer the question, um, can government regulations or ca can government policies actually create cultural scenes or are they or are these scenes better with their you know creative economy rhetoric and with their uh, inclusivity um, th with their en youth engagement and uh, different kinds of rationale that's behind uh, these kind of uh, government policies to create cultural scenes uh, are these better than actually um, organic cultural okay. scenes mm. that grows around let's say um, uh, Marrickville at the moment um, even though there are um, there is uh, okay, so I have to talk about the s recent study that was done. Um, so there is uh, a, re a report uh, that came out in uh, November 2018, which is called the um, NSW Music and Arts um, Inquiry Report. So in, in, in the media, it's sometimes called the live music um, report. So mm -hmm. our report was done, uh, a study was done and presented to the state government that um, uh, which kind of tried to uh, uh, go deep into uh, the live music scene and the nighttime economy of Sydney. Uh, what's the situation now and how to go forward from here? All right, so there are definitely, um, like um, government policy reports go, there were a lot of findings, there were a lot of uh, recommendations mm. that were made to mm. the state government so that they can work on this. Okay. And from there, um, there, there are, uh, these things came up, like there is, there is something in the policy pipeline for a long time to create, um, cultural hubs in, 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 in around Marrickville and Sydney. Okay, and they have specific names for that. It's just, um, I'm just uh, missing that right now. But um, so, some t in some reports, it's called the Off-Broadway Project. If you just look that up on Google, you'll find more information. But it basically talks about having, creating uh, through government policies, uh, cultural hubs, creative hubs on Parramatta Road uh, all mm. throughout to uh, all the way to Marrickville and Sydney, mm. mm. um, but it hasn't really got the backing, proper mm. backing, to actually happen yet. But at the same time, uh, when I was taught, when I was taking interviews, um, different musicians uh, from Central Sydney, they said that um, there was a, a, a kind of a, a, a cultural hub around Black Wire Records. Okay, um, yeah, Black Wire Records, which is closed now. It was a record shop 
in uh, on Parramatta Road. Uh, it was famous not only because it was just a record shop, it was also a space where local musicians got together. Mm. It was also a small venue. So that's mm. how these things work. Usually there's a bar, there's a venue, and there's yeah. A, yeah. Uh, you know, a shop, a record shop as well. And that, that's how these kind of music scenes originated anyway in the, in the mm. US and in the UK through record shops and on through record labels and all that anyway. So mm. Blackbar uh, Records uh, used to run as a volunteer um, uh, specific thing only volunteers is to work and there was, it was not not for profit um, at this uh, at the moment um, this this record shop and the cultural scene around it has uh, completely shut down uh, mainly because um, the owners could not um, compete with uh, the rent high rent that was there and the different kinds of um, uh, real estate developers that wanted to um, develop make more homes in that area so okay. um just uh, i have drifted from the point but main point is like uh, for, uh, in one of my chapters for example i'm looking at um does this creative economy rhetoric actually work um these kinds of government regulations when they intervene uh and they try to make uh cultural scenes or um you know artist creative hubs um does it work or you know can or what about the organically created um, cultural scenes and music scenes and arts um, hubs that are already there in in, in place um, this musicians that I talked with definitely they're a bit skeptical of these kind of uh, creative economy rhetoric because they just don't trust the kind of uh, rationale that's behind them mm -hmm. um, and they would love it if um, these organically created uh, scenes were kind of um, supported by government regulations, maybe given funding and all that, but then this debate goes on. There's, yeah. there's, there's a whole lot there. Yeah, just, but yeah. um, and finally, again, coming back to the broader implication, this is just one side where you know my study could yeah. kind of um, shed more light into uh, these aspects. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, um, I also recently found that um, studying the new meanings or the meanings, different meanings of independence or being independent uh, in a music scene, might be transferable to other popular cultural objects. Like I'm talking about. When it could be a tool for analysis when studying um, independent wrestling, uh, independent films, independent TV shows um, through you know different streaming uh, sites and through YouTube. All these kinds of different kinds of shows are coming up now, and um, independent comics as well. So yeah. there's actually uh, s uh, some aspects which can yeah. be quite directly transferable. So maybe um, uh, that might be some my future research. Directions. That's amazing. Wow. No, there's yeah. so much. There's so much scope here. Well, um, we've um come to the end of this really um rich discussion. I think it's been so great. I this think I've blabbed too much. No, 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 yeah, we, we wish you all the best for your for your research. Thank you. Thank you and uh, thank you for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Hey, did you like this episode? If so, whether you head over to iTunes and rate and review us, like our Facebook and Twitter pages, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel. What'll help us the most is if you share this episode with a friend and spread the good news. <laughs>